So we're putting together the bookshelves, and I say, Arcade Consultants, and we have already put in the order for the decal the on the front wall, glasses, wine glasses. Mm-hmm. All the print material, business the, cards. Uh, business cards and brochures, mm-hmm. all saying Arcade Consultants. Yep. And I say, hey. Wait, I have an idea. What Wait. If, what if we were Arcade Wayfinder? I feel like it was later than 10. It feels like it was late. It was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Jason's like, what? No. No, definitely. Wait. All right, talk to me about this a little more. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This, this is, is scotch episode 2. This is scotch episode part 2. The Scotchening. Scotchening. This is episode 37, Storytime with Arcade Part 2. So we are talking about how we got to where we are as a business. And we are having scotch because this is the cursed episode. You may remember that from last week. So if you didn't listen to last week, you might want to start there. Because this is a pretty direct continuation. This is actually the same recording session. We just realized we were running long and we're running into a second episode. We are drinking the last of, oh, here you go. Don't make a mess with it, dear. We are drinking the last of the Christmas scotch. And the reason that if you didn't listen to last week's episode, you should go ahead and do that. If you want to. Is because we're one whole episode scotch deep already. (laughs) Scotch deep. Scotch deep. So we talked last week about Era One, mm-hmm. which was Jason's brother's roofing company, Concord Roofing. Era Two, which was Phoenix Exteriors, our roofing and siding company that failed miserably, terribly. Yeah. Era Three, which was when you worked for Clark Stryker, who was we in. We worked for Clark. We worked for Clark. You're right. We worked. Great for tradesman. Clark. Amazing guy. Great mm-hmm. tradesman. Not a great businessman. Mm-hmm. And we both went back to school. We talked about Era Four, which was when we finally left Indiana, mm-hmm. moved to Seattle, worked for Lewis, and they were my favorite company you ever worked for. Mm-hmm. We talked about Era Six. No, Era Five. See, I keep trying to skip. Toronto. This guy doesn't help. I know, it doesn't. But still, I keep trying to skip Toronto because I really wish that never happened. And if you right. listened last week, you'll understand you know why. why. We talked about the fact that you had hired at Shukart mm-hmm. to do other work, but then it turned out... The Witch out, Museum. The Witch Museum. It turned mm-hmm. out that you were going to be working on the Chihuly Garden and Glass, mm-hmm. and we came home. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of the reason why I was hired was to provide big company experience and help them develop as a company. Because they knew you had worked at Lee's Crutcher Lewis Mm -hmm. and at Lewis Builds, Mm -hmm. which were actually technically two separate companies. Oh, yeah. Technically. Technically. So over the time of uh, working there, I developed several presentations of ideas and thoughts of how to improve the company and move it forward. So this is getting back to our, like what I always refer to as our baby consultant Mm -hmm. tendencies. Because the truth is throughout our whole career, we were really doing this, exactly Mm -hmm. what we landed in, but we didn't know this is where we were heading. And there were places where I would propose ideas and they're fully fleshed out. 
and we would work all weekend on these presentations together and it would get shot down and and the reason for it was that we're not ready mm-hmm. uh, maybe we later mm-hmm. we can't afford it not right now not a good idea and it was not yeah it was never generally like no that's mm-hmm. a bad idea mm-hmm. it was more like yeah I understand why that's a good idea but we're not going to do that but this was the first place that I really had executive authority over creating teams mm-hmm Right, so we, uh, for the first time ever, hired a person at Shukart that didn't meet George. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, was that you hired the first person mm-hmm. that didn't meet George? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And that was it was weird for him because he came back from vacation. He was on a boat mm-hmm. and came back, and he's like, "This is weird. Mm-hmm. Like that, this is the first time that it happened." But mm-hmm. we were on a project, and I needed a thing mm-hmm. to happen. And we made it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't, I, I wasn't shy about that, but it was the first place where I could really develop and flesh out what teams look like for me. Well, and so you had your first project. Mm-hmm. And I think with that, you were really getting your feet under you and running your team. Although you did start to develop like yeah. what you called the APM training module, sure. yeah. where you were training people for the first time, like in a way that looks a lot more like the kind of coaching that we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you moved to your second project mm-hmm. at Shukart, that's when you really started to stretch out and do Find some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, you really started to hit your stride. Yeah. And so people called that job site mm-hmm. the Treehouse. Yeah. And everyone had a lot of fun on that job. Well, and, and I think that was where I started to create my own culture. Mm-hmm. So there's a place where when you're developing construction projects, you have the freedom as long as the project is successful to kind of do whatever you want mm-hmm. you know, like your own business module so um, with the treehouse we would play games we would have fun we would have different teaming elements mm-hmm. and and we put a company truck on the roof mm-hmm. right we would come well up and with- so that that was a thing that you did that was cool but mm-hmm. I mean even just stupid little things mm-hmm. like you guys had a whole thing where you were throwing rare earth magnets at a file cabinet. Oh, yeah. And if you could hit the target, yeah. then everyone had to buy you coffee. Yeah. Whoever got closer, <laughs> right? It was like simple gamification, mm-hmm. right? But that was the team that everybody wanted to be a part of. Absolutely. Um, and most of the subcontractors that I worked with, they were struggling mm-hmm. with trying to be profitable because it was a very complicated job. Um, it was very problematic on a number of levels, and they were losing money hand over fist. Mm-hmm. And so the people who came to me and asked me for help, I would always be willing to help them. Absolutely. Well, and I know there was some element of it that you enjoyed helping them, mm-hmm. but like some of it initially was even just that if I remember you coming in and saying, I'm, I'm helping these subs, mm-hmm. because if they go under, we don't get the work done. Yeah. So, so I happens, need to keep them from going under. If this company goes out of business, that mm-hmm. is not a good thing for a contractor. It's not good for our project. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to keep them in business mm-hmm. so that our project can get done. Right. And again, I mean, there was a, absolutely also the wanting to help people. But it, it part of it was just... Immediate, like acute. Yeah. But part of it was the bigger picture. And so well, I saw all of these contractors who they were tradespeople. Mm-hmm and they were good at their trade, and they were good people. They're people that you'd be happy to break bread with, mm-hmm. but they're people who are struggling 
in that they don't understand the game that we're playing. Well, uh, it's funny. I remember a conversation that you and I had. And so we've done all of our best talking on long road trips. Mm -hmm. That's always when you get to the point where you're talking about stuff that's not the here and now. Mm -hmm. It's like the bigger picture. Yeah. And so I don't remember where we were going, but I can remember watching like the mile markers and mm -hmm. being on the expressway as we were talking. Are we not moving? Or we're not we moving. Like vacationing. We're not moving. We're vacationing. Okay. It is while you are on garden and glass so it's before you have even thought about leaving shukart mm -hmm. and you said to me i don't know what to do mm -hmm. because i don't really think i want to be a senior pm i feel like i look at that track mm -hmm. and that's not really where i want to go and so then you said but like i've been kind of paying attention and talking to people in kind of the more executive roles and thinking maybe that's what i want to do. maybe yeah. i want to be like a vp right yeah, partner and you're like the more that i look at that i know that that's not really what i want to do either you're like it's better but it's not what lights me up either and you were like i don't see the thing that yeah. lights me up mm -hmm. i don't see my next move yeah. and i don't know what to do about it yeah and I said, just let's just keep doing what we're doing mm -hmm. and wait for the door to open. So yeah. a conversation we had when we very first got married and you thought I was 100% insane. And I still do. <laughs> it's true, that's hashtag Mary's crazy. First got married, we were very young and we had a similar conversation then when you said, I don't know what I wanna do mm -hmm. with my life. And I said, if you follow your heart, mm -hmm the money will come. Mm -hmm. And you were like, you're nuts. Yeah. That's not what happens. Oh, and my dad was a 30-year steel worker, mm -hmm. right? That's not how the world works, Mary. Yeah. And I said, I think- Grow up. I think it is. I think still to this day, if there is a governing tenet of our lives that we have followed, it's exactly that. If you follow your heart, the money will come. And there have been so many times between then and now that we follow our heart and we fail horrendously and- Fantastically. Fantastically yeah. we fail. And then when we're in it and we are gonna like, it's gonna be literally the end of the world mm -hmm. if like some money doesn't come through. Yeah. And there's always some miraculous place where like just and enough- And it does, like by the day, like by the hour. Just enough to yeah. get us by. It's never yeah. like, no. look, you won a bunch of money. You're a millionaire. But it's like, oh, here's a refund on something that you didn't right. even know was a thing or whatever yeah. it is. We have always made it by the skin of our teeth. And I believe it's because we have always followed our hearts and done what we think is right mm -hmm. and done what we think is good. And so I remember that day when mm -hmm. you said, I don't know what to do with my career because mm -hmm. I don't see anything that I really want to do. And I said, let's just keep opening whatever doors come in front of us mm -hmm. and see if we can't find our way to what you want to do. Yeah. And I think it was really that second job was when you really started helping mm -hmm. subs, as opposed to the first time you were really still trying to just yeah, get your feet under you. Trying to figure it out. And Chihuly was a, that was a tight schedule and yeah. a, a fast-paced job. And you went on that second job and you started helping subs and you realized that you weren't sure still what you wanted to do, yeah. but it had something to do with that. And who are the good guys? Well, that was another really important part of the conversation because yeah. we, found ourselves working for the bad guy. Mm -hmm. We were doing, and, and obviously we're gonna keep it super vague so you don't know who mm -hmm. we think is a bad guy. Uh, you've likely never heard of them anyway. Mm -hmm. And we were called in to help them 
resolve a dispute. And it was during tight times when early days when we were just doing whatever we could to stay afloat. Mm -hmm. And we were called in to help remove a contractor from a job by the owner. And we realized as we got involved, not when we took the job, it was after we took the job, we realized that the owner was the bad guy. And the owner was really just trying to screw this contractor. That was, I think, another really pivotal, important moment for us because we realized that that was not where we wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And we, we didn't just leave that. We couldn't walk yeah. then because we had babies to feed. And, and we had commitments. Commitments. Yeah. Um, and we, we helped our, our conscience at that point by saying, well, that contractor got out of this situation better mm-hmm. than he would have if we hadn't been here. Yeah. But we logged it and knew that we never wanted to work for the bad guy again and now have walked away from clients more than once when we felt like it wasn't the right thing. Right. So also, though, while you were working at Shoe Cart, Mm -hmm. uh, my path was that I got back from Toronto and said, Seattle, yay, and went to work. And I did work teaching code to kids. So I kind of took all of the time that You're I had. You're a nerd. It was so fun. I took my time that I had spent kind of working with my kids mm-hmm. and took my or love. our kids. Our kids. Either way. I mean, at that point, they were really more mine than ours, right? True. They were gone yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I uh, took that experience and I took my experience with code and I kind of put that together and I went to work teaching kids to do uh, Minecraft mods, Mm -hmm. which is a whole thing. They really love, kids really love Minecraft. That was true then, it's still true now, actually. That's really weird. It's Kids really love Minecraft, and they understand it so well that teaching them to alter the code of that game is actually a really great entry point. It's like a superpower. It's a really great Mm -hmm. entry point to code because they understand what all of those working pieces do. Mm -hmm. So teaching them how to access that through the code is just a quick sidestep. So that was really fun work. And I I worked with uh, Minecraft mods in Java, and I also worked with a piece of software from MIT that's called Scratch. That's a really awesome entry point for kids to code. Gowan has been using since four? He was three. Three. He was three. He could not read yet when Mm -hmm. he started coding with Scratch. He learned that like the blue block does this, and the purple block does mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And then he learned to read because of that, because he said, oh, the blue block is move, and I see an M-O-V-E. Okay, that must be move. <laughs> he learned to read because of Scratch. Right. So if you have little kids and you're interested in teaching them code, Scratch is awesome. You can look it up. It's a whole, It's all online Scratch, now. Scratch, MIT. Yeah, Scratch from MIT. But the point is, so I started working with kids. My son, I taught Scratch when he was three. I didn't work with other people's kids with Scratch until they could read. So mm-hmm. from roughly six through uh, the Minecraft Java stuff was more like almost almost middle school, so probably fifth, sixth grade. And what I learned through that, I, I thought when I came to work here, that that experience was going to be not worth anything to mm-hmm. me here. And what I realized is if you can get a kid to listen to you mm-hmm. about code, while Minecraft is right in front of them on the computer and they can just ignore you and play Minecraft, if you can get them to pay attention to you instead of that screen, you can do anything. You can get anyone to pay attention to anything. And I was tap dancing that whole time. It took everything I had to keep them paying attention to me instead of- skill there. mm -hmm, Instead of playing video games. And I brought that with me Mm -hmm. when we started doing training 
with how can you keep people paying attention instead of just zoning out in the way that people do. So when I left Shoecart, I basically, I, I gave them a year and a half notice that it was time for me to go. I didn't know what I was gonna do, but I knew that I wanted to build something that was different than what I had been doing. I left and had a conversation with George, shared that I wanted to do something different. And I don't didn't know what it was, but wanted to do something different. And he didn't understand it because I didn't understand it. But this is not that far removed from the conversation where you were like, I am having a crisis of faith. I yeah. don't know what to do next. Yeah. yeah. And uh, decided to, after this project wraps, start my own business, um, helping people. Mm-hmm. And basically phased out of working for Shukar mm-hmm. and phased into working for myself. Um, Our whole first round of clients mm-hmm. were exactly those subs. that you had worked with and helped where you said I helped you on that project Mm -hmm. but now I can help you in a more direct way and they said yes please and we still have many of those same clients of our first five we still have four yes yeah yeah and uh, and so the work that we do is more relationship driven um, where we're not looking for quick transaction we're looking for meaningful relationships Well, so we talked two weeks ago now Mm -hmm. about metrics Mm -hmm. and measuring success as a business. So I think it's relevant to talk about the fact that shortly after we really got rolling, Mm -hmm. we sat down and had our own planning session because we already have our own planning sessions, even though it's just the two of us. Yeah. There were own planning sessions and we talked about what's our metric Mm -hmm. because Early on, we took the route of saying, well, we have to make enough money to keep the lights on. Yeah. Because you got to keep the lights on. And especially when you got kids, you got to keep the kids Got to pay the man. And so then a couple of years in, we said, you know what? Maybe keeping the lights on isn't the metric anymore. And this was after we had left our first engagement where we had been involved. And we quit. We walked away. We said, this is not where we want to be. This is not helping out. And we left. And we said... So maybe our metric is to rate where we are in our relationships with our clients. We're not rating our clients. We're rating our relationships with our clients. Is it helping or hurting? So every month we have a rating for every client that's on a one through five where we've defined a one means they're not putting what we're telling them into action and they're declining as a result. That's the very they're worst. getting worse. That's the worst feeling is Mm -hmm. when things are getting worse there because Mm -hmm. they're not taking our advice all the way up through five which is that they are killing it the world is changing because of things that we're helping them to do yeah and so by rating every relationship on a one through five of how it's going where it's it's not based on revenue it's not based on revenue Mm -hmm. because what we're finding is that there is money out there to be made and you there make are money anywhere. There are a lot of ways. So when we ask people, why do you work at the place where you work? Mm-hmm. And always the first answer is, well, because I got to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. I got to keep the lights on. But the truth is, for most people, you could work at a lot of different places mm-hmm. doing a lot of different things. Why do you do this? Mm-hmm. And so for us, we feel like there are a lot of ways we could get people to be willing to pay us. We could do a lot of different kinds of work. 
What we want to do is the work that makes us happy. Mm -hmm. So the closer we can get to five, and when we take all of our clients and where all of those relationships are, the more we can move that to five, where all of our clients are killing it. Yeah. Everyone is seeing the world change. That is how we That's are our happiest. perfect world. That's how we make things better at Arcade, yeah. is not by getting more money per hour or more rates, more jobs sold. It's by changing the world mm -hmm. for more of our clients. So initially it was, you do whatever you have to do to pay the bills. Yep. We will help you. We will be an employee. Right? <laughs> I can remember early on saying, what if they want to pay you to sweep the floor? Are you going to do that? And you said, if that's what I got to do. If, if they pay me our rate. If they'll pay me my rate yeah. to sweep the floor, then yeah, I will sweep I will. floors. Yeah. <laughs> but we've passed that now and have enough faithful folks who are part of our family. And pause, because I would sweep floors if it was actually going to change the world somewhere. Oh, sure. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, if it changes the world, I will sweep all the floors. <laughs> exactly. But it doesn't. It doesn't normally and change won't. the world to sweep floors. Right. Um, but we moved on to era eight. Era eight. So, We're here. Era eight so, right now. Yeah. So to, to, to quickly recap one of the, the most important moments of era seven, mm -hmm. which was Arcade's early days, mm -hmm. was that we worked out of a back bedroom of our house. I largely did. You did. Mm -hmm. And I came to work, and it was actually shortly after I came to work that we yeah. were able to move to the office. Yeah. But when we first, when I first came to work full-time, when I left teaching code to kids yeah. and came to work for Arcade full-time, we worked out of a back bedroom. And we worked with our two desks shoved close so together. So tight. We decided that we wanted an office, mm -hmm. and we came and we looked at this office, and we decided to rent this office to lease this office. And we had a client who did some kind of interior design. And we brought her to come and look at the office and give us some tips. And we ended up going our own totally different route with yeah. the interior design. But initially we thought maybe- well received. Yeah, maybe we can get some help. And so she said to us, what are you thinking with regards to how you wanna use this space? And I said, in our desks where we work all day, every day, all right now, if Jason decides to move his chair back at the same time as I decide to move my chair back, our chairs collide. I want that to never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at the space. How many square feet do we have in yeah, here? 1,400. 1,400 square yeah. feet and said, I think we can probably work with that. <laughs> So that's, that's how we get to era eight, the arcade office, where we opened- Era eight, eight, eight. eight, eight. We opened our own office, mm -hmm. which was a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And actually, there's a good story about that too. While we were, so we did all the build out of this office all by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And again- By hand. Yeah, we initially talked to an interior designer and then we realized we couldn't afford an interior designer. Well, we could, but we preferred our, our own design. That's true, because what we actually did was we said, we want it to be kind of like a spaceship. You know, mm -hmm. think Star Trek Next Gen. Yeah, and they're like, what? And she was like, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're talking about. No, what is that? <laughs> and so we said, you know what, we're gonna do this ourselves. Yeah. And we built everything out ourselves. 
And we were here at the office at about, I feel like it was 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. In the, 10 or 11. In the build-out. And we yeah. were putting together our IKEA bookshelves, which yeah. if you've ever been here, you've seen. They don't look like IKEA bookshelves. We're book very shelves. proud of the fact that they don't look like IKEA bookshelves. puzzling to look at it. But they are IKEA bookshelves. Yeah. Wrapped and with drywall. We're putting them together, together, which is mm -hmm. the only way we can put together IKEA bookshelves mm -hmm. because Jason doesn't read instructions. What? You don't read instructions. I don't read. You ignore instructions, and then you put it together however you want, and then you don't understand why it won't work. Frankenstein. <laughs> right. right. So we're putting together the bookshelves, and I say, Arcade Consultants, and we have already put in the order for the decal the on the front wall, glasses, wine glasses. Mm -hmm. All the print material, business the, cards. Uh, business cards and brochures mm -hmm. all saying arcade consultants yeah. and i say hey wait i have an idea what wait if, what if we were arcade wayfinding it's i feel like it was later than 10. it feels like it was late it was a sunday mm-hmm and jason's like what no no definitely wait all right talk to me about this a little more and I talk more about why Arcade Wayfinding is absolutely our whole only identity that we can ever have again in the future. And he says, <sighs> he says, well, why don't you email the print shop and figure out what we can stop? And they were able to stop all of the print work. Mm -hmm. They reprinted our decal for the front wall. Yeah. They actually sent they reprinted our glasses and sent us a bunch of glasses that At like almost no cost yeah that said arcade consultants on them we still have just a couple of the wine glasses left and we became arcade wayfinding so why wayfinding so wayfinding where's our business card wayfinding one understanding where you are helpful two choosing where you want to be. Three, finding the way to get there. And what I said is, of all the work that we do, there's only one thing, because we do kind of a lot of different crazy work, but ultimately all of it comes down to helping people figure out where they wanna go and helping them to get there. In fact, funny thing, once we got a proposal from a company that was trying to do some actual wayfinding in like Issaquah. Yeah, it was like city wayfinding, mm -hmm. helping people get from place to place. And they were like, hey, like want to get into this proposal? Literal wayfinding. And we were like, ah, oh, that's not quite what we do. Not what we do? <laughs> Signage is not really what we do. Yeah. So then what do we do? We do a lot of different things. We do a lot of different things. So one piece is training. Mm -hmm. So we have all of our training sessions mm -hmm. where we get people in for four or five hours, maybe even eight hours, depending on the session, mm -hmm. and work on kind of all the stuff that we talk about on the podcast, but in way more depth. Yeah. And then we have full-scale development. That's your favorite. It's my favorite. So yeah. that's when we go in and kind of look at everything that's going on in the company mm -hmm. and figure out what do they need to work on first and We're what like order. Doctors and mechanics. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's my favorite because that looks the most like the stuff that we've done, mm -hmm. like all the way back to Concord, all the way back to Clark. Mm -hmm. 
every place we've ever been, we really do some amount of exactly that. Where Diagnostic. Mm-hmm, we figure mm-hmm. out what needs to change and help make that change. So we've been doing a lot of leadership development, leadership retreats. Mm-hmm. That's actually been something that's been really picking up lately, mm-hmm. uh, where we're doing a lot more of this, where we get people together for two or three days. Mm-hmm. And... Generally, we'll work with the leadership and figure out what are you trying to do here? What's the problem? What are we trying to change or work on or Mm -hmm. focus on? And then we build out two or three days of workshops and games and teaching that helps everybody kind of move Mm -hmm. in the right direction. So there can be a bit of stagnation here where people have worked with business development consultants and there's not a lot of energy there, but we will literally light it on fire. <laughs> we did, we did once, that was a lot of yeah. fun. Um, um, and then we do coaching, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. that can take a lot of forms. We do project coaching where mm-hmm. we'll work with your team through an entire project and kind of help run those project meetings mm-hmm. and help kind of figure out what processes we might be missing yeah. from beginning to end. We do PM coaching or really any role in the company. We can do PE coaching. We can kind of work with your people who need a little bit of help. We do executive coaching Mm -hmm. where we help leaders kind of figure out how to helm the ship. It's always the most fun at the executive level Mm -hmm. to help them change the, the direction of the ship. Well, and that's really good because I feel like, again, if you look at our metrics and our five being, are we changing the world? Mm -hmm. Then when you do that executive coaching, that's when you can really start to watch the world change. And we have places where we do executive coaching and make even really small changes and just Mm -hmm. see the whole world change and everything get better. And that is a lot of fun. So (laughs) if you made it to this point... And, and you deserve a high five. Yeah, high five, and bless you if you've made it this far. Right. Because well, you didn't normally, have scotch. Normally we try. Well, maybe they have scotch. Maybe, you don't know. I hope. Maybe they're listening and they're like living not driving with a whole safe. scotch. Yeah, not driving. If yeah. you're listening while you're driving. Yeah, just like no scotch, scotch out and sleep tight. By now, know a little bit more about us. A little bit more than we would typically share. Hopefully this was not your first episode. You should, if this is your first episode, back up and forget everything that you learned. Forget all of last episode in this episode because normally we try very hard to give you lots of information about business development Mm -hmm. that's really useful to you. company culture and loving the place that you work just a little bit more. Yeah, lots of good things. But these last couple episodes were really pretty like... Scotchy scotchy and just full of Jason and Mary. So when we started the podcast, Jason said, don't you think we should talk about where we came from and what we did and who we are? And I said, "Mm, let's make some episodes first where we talk about like the actual business development. And then we can talk about it later when like people might actually wonder more about who we are. Yeah. So that's this episode. So if you're new... This is weird and meta. Yeah, if you're new, we're sorry (laughs) that this was your first episode. Back up, like 10 episodes. Yeah, go back a ways. But not that many because I feel like I just... That's good. Well, 
Yeah, but I just got the hang of like post production, like say five episodes Don't ago. Don't judge. Don't judge. So just figure out where. Don't judge it, people judging you. Where the audio sounds like better and not like crappy, mm-hmm. and start there. Okay. <laughs> I don't know where that happened, but I feel like it's been in the last couple of months. So, find us. Arcade Wayfinding. www.arcadewayfinding.com. I think you do. You always do because that's how people know like a web address is coming. You know? Yeah, like they're like, oh wait, let me get my pencil out. They're saying www. You can also find us at www.thecriticalpathwithmaryandjason.com. LinkedIn at Jason Sturgeon, Mary Sturgeon, and Arcade Wayfinding. That is another thing. Arcade training. You can find us on Twitter. At Arcade Wayfinder. I think I think we're about done. You have anything else to add? I think we're done. I mean, watch for it. And what it turned out was that there was room between you and me because we had two baby seats yep. next to us, strapped in in the U-Haul, strapped in between you and me. There was room for one middle arm. Yep. One you middle arm. On the middle arm. So we and switched. your butt is not middle arm sized. What are you, what are you trying to say? <laughs> that physically no person's bottom <laughs> is the size of someone's arm. This is this is fair. Like even sideways. This is legitimate. This is fair. Yeah. So one arm between the two of us. So that meant either. Especially me- yours. So, you have any idea how much editing you're making me do? Three. This is why I hate Scotchisodes, because they take me like two hours to edit. Because I have to edit out all of the inappropriate things that you say, and that I say also. But I don't need to bitch at me, I can just bitch at you. Are we done? I mean, maybe. Bitching uh, at me? Never. You can find me. No, you can find us. At www. No, you can find us on Twitter at Arcade Wayfinder. Mark, I have to pee really bad. So, to whatever. Me too. Okay, so want to just go take both, take a pee yes. break. Pee break. Ready. Mark. One, two, three. Pee break. Pee break. Pee break. Let's go. Oh, you gotta put your shoes back. On. No one's here. No one's here.